the last time Shirai been one of these? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Know. You know, he texted me yesterday. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna need you to go in on Tuesday night because I'm flying to Indy, which is a trip I was supposed to be on." <laughs> and he muscled me out of it. I was like, "So hold up, there's some insider beef going on." And you know, we're using this for the podcast, right? Yeah, that's fine. Right I, this I, is like I, gold I, I right here. On, I will put this on documentation. <laughs> Let this be the the outro to the podcast. Hey, as long as you get Miami and LA, you know, you're all good. Orlando. I swear, I swear to God. Uh, but I, I was gonna complain about it, and then I, as I was getting like worked up about it, I was like, "It's just Indy." Now I can be like, "Hey, bro, you got to go to Indy." Right, right. I got, I got Miami, Orlando, New Orleans coming up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is the Celtics Talk Podcast. Kyle Draper and Chris Forsberg. No, Ashera Blakely this week <laughs> on the podcast again. Did you see our number? Oh wait, no, he was there for last week without. Was he there? Yeah, I think so. Was we, I yeah, there? Because we were post up. Yeah. Oh we yeah. All right. Yeah, we, no, we, <laughs> I know. One of those rare weeks where we actually had all of us. I was about to say because we did some great numbers, and I was mm-hmm. like, man, hopefully I was a part of that. You know, I'm yeah. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> no, just taking want, the credit you, and everything. You don't want to be the miss the week where <laughs> right. the numbers are off the charts. That one person. All right, so we got a great show coming up in just a minute. We're going to get you ready for that big matchup on Thursday between the Celtics and the. Sixers. Chris, you talked to Serena Winters, the sideline reporter down there at NBC Sports Philadelphia. I got to imagine they're extremely high on their team, just like we're extremely high on our team. Like, we both feel like, you know what? I don't know how you feel. I feel like the Celtics can come out of the East. Yep. They obviously got to feel like they can come out of it. And it's funny because as I was talking to Serena, as you'll hear, it, 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 there's a lot of parallels between the teams. Like Both sides don't feel like they've played their best basketball. Both teams haven't been healthy. Both teams are still figuring out new faces. And uh, it, it, it's cool to, to sort of see them. You know, they're both really good right now, but there's another level they can both go to. And I think it's going to be interesting just to for this one is it it's one of those measuring stick games, right? Like it, it sometimes we overhype these matchups in the season, but I don't know. I'm okay with overhyping this one. This one's going to be fun. Yeah, it's an early season matchup, and I feel like the Celtics owe them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got to imagine the Celtics feel like they're in a much different place than they were opening night. You know, and Philly was geeked up for that game. I mean, not, you know opening night against a rival in Philly, new Celtics players. And so to me, this is more of a true test of, of, of where these two teams are right now. And that first game was so ugly. Wasn't it? I mean, well, so neither team fouls, played well. So jack. It just like the, the reviews were long. It was hard to really gauge much from that game. And I guess that's why I'm sort of excited for this one is I think this will give us a better idea of where the Celtics stand in the hierarchy. Like I know Philadelphia hasn't played its best basketball, that they're still figuring it out. Uh, but that starting five is really good. If they've got all their dogs out there, that matchup is going to be awesome. And I just think this whole week has been cool for the Celtics. You got Jokic on against the Nuggets last week. You get Tristan and Kevin Love. You know what do we talk? And, and now we'll go with the Indiana game. You'll get Sabonis and Turner. Sabonis and yep, Miles. And yep. then Embiid and Horford. And so, like, we, what do we talk about for so long coming into the season? Okay, is this the? Is this, can these bigs survive? Right. Are these the bigs that are going to lead the Celtics? We'll have an idea by the end of the week about exactly where they stand and do they need to go get somebody. You know, trade season opens on Sunday, December 15th, when all these guys can be traded. That's coming up. Like, that's I'm, crazy. Yeah, so now, like, all of a sudden, like, Kemba, Cantor, Wanamaker, Tice, like, all these guys within the next month and a half are going to be able to be traded, uh, most of them by December 15th. And so all of a sudden, the floodgates could open. I don't know if the Celtics need a move, though. We'll talk we'll about talk. that. Well, we'll uh, that that's coming up in a minute because I do want to ask you about the trade deadline and you know you're hearing the Kevin Love rumors out there also, so we got to get into that. But first, we're going to get into your interview with Serena Winters, and before we get to that, let's take a second to show some love to another podcast you might like right here on the NBC Sports Podcast Network. 
Hey, it's Tom Haverstrow here, your national NBA insider at NBC Sports and host of the Haverstrow podcast. You're going to want to listen to this latest episode with Kobe Stan's arch rival, ESPN's Amin El Hassan. The former Phoenix Suns executive gets into the Los Angeles Lakers' amazing start. There's a difference between me saying your schedule has been easy and you're not good. I never said the Lakers weren't good. Talk about Utah's slide from contender status, and we get into some stories from his Suns-Lakers series behind the scenes when he was with the Suns. So go check out The Haber Show. That's H-A-B-E-R-S-H-O-W, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, now time for Chris's interview with Serena Winter, sideline reporter for the Sixers for NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right, let's go out to the phone line and welcome in NBC Sports Philadelphia's Serena Winters, covers the Sixers excellently down there. Serena, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, just uh, getting ready for, for some games. And, uh, <laughs> you know, anytime it's a Boston and Sixers matchup, there's always a little something extra. So I'm excited to talk to you. I was going to say the only reporter whose glasses game is better than my own. And uh... Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I would say... We're on an equal playing field. I very much, <laughs> I very much enjoy. By the way, like real quick aside, yeah, I feel like glasses have started to become like a fashion state for some people. Fashion statement, and I mean, I've been like blind for quite some time, so <laughs> I have been wearing glasses for a long time. It has not been the fashion statement that everyone is now wearing them for. But uh, yeah, I, I don't shout uh, out to the nerds out there who who wear glasses because you really have to. Well, it, it's funny too because sometimes people do say that to me. They're like, the, the, do, you, "Do you wear them to be styling?" And I said, "Actually, no." When I discovered I was blind was uh, when I was first started to cover the Celtics. I realized like I'm having trouble sort of seeing the jersey numbers at the far <laughs> end of the court. Yep. And uh, <laughs> you know that was the, that was the first hint that maybe uh, maybe maybe the division was starting to go a little bit. So it would probably been five years too long by that point. But uh, yeah, now it's uh, now I. Now I try to take advantage and, and be as stylish as possible, but it is more out of necessity. I feel you, Chris. Quick aside, <laughs> first time for me, I was doing a, um, I was doing color commentary for the women's basketball team at UC Santa Barbara. They put me way up in the bleachers. Oh, and no. I was, didn't have glasses at that point, and I could not see uh, these women's jersey numbers. I I just, the entire game, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get glasses oh, afterwards. man. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, what we, what we don't need is glasses to know that we have two very good teams we are covering right now, uh, yes. both sitting near the top of the Eastern Conference, a big showdown here in Boston on Thursday night, Al Horford's first game back in Boston. And so we'll start there. What has the Al Horford experience been like down in Philadelphia? Man, I'm sorry for you guys that we took him from you because <laughs> he has... He's been really awesome, and I've actually been working on an article on him that'll be up on our website, NBC Sports Philadelphia, just about like all the intangible things that you don't realize that he does to help bring a squad together. And I'm sure that you guys saw this with his time there. But when when you are when you've got you know a lot of egos and you've got young guys and you're coming into a new team, finding a way to mesh and also adding something to creating that chemistry goes a long way. And simple things like I've noticed Al Horford with our rookie Matisse Seibel, he will like talk to the refs for Matisse to be able to tell him what he needs to do better next time. He's always the guy in the timeout, you know, whether they're up or down, things are going good or bad to say something. So on top of what he's brought on the, on the court, which has been great, 
um, consistency and an ability um, to play four or five. I have to say that seeing him also in the lineup with Ben Simmons. So in the, in the lineups where Joel Embiid is not on the floor and Ben is a guy who just likes to run and push pace and Al can handle that. He has looked great in those lineups alongside Ben, but even more than that, he's just been the, the veteran professional presence because we don't really have, you know, they haven't had these guys like an Al Horford. That's, yeah. that's a, literally a vet's vet, right? We talk about vets in this league that are 24, 25 years old, but this is a guy who's been in the league for 13, seasons now and and he really has been awesome that was probably the biggest thing up here in Boston of course they were sort of a a team in transition at that point and sort of Isaiah Thomas Jay Crowder they're trying to get over that hump and then Al just brought this level of professionalism and took a lot of the 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 responsibilities off them whether it was media um, just the stuff that I get you know even off the basketball court that people wouldn't notice and uh, you know I think the Celtics missed that just you know the guy who shows up every day and just leads by example um, how is the fit with Embiid worked, you know, both either in a, in a two big lineup or sort of uh, staggering them and, and Al playing the five, like has that fit been well down there for, for Philadelphia? So this is something that, you know, the, the listeners can watch, um, during the game is there really is two different teams, um, for this Sixers squad. It's kind of like the, and I would kind of argue three because you've got this, you got the lineup with Al and Joel. Um, you got the lineup with just Al, and then you got the lineup with just Joel. But th- they kind of they kind of talk about it in terms of these two teams, kind of the Al team and the Joel team. And I think that it's it's still taking time to figure out the spacing of the team with Al, Joel, you know, Ben, Tobias, Josh, all of them on the court together because. The strength of a team can also be something that can be seen as a weakness in, in some scenarios, right? Like something's always got to give. And the strength of this team is when you see the starting lineup out there, they are so, so, so big. Um, I believe they're the tallest starting lineup in the NBA. And with that, yeah. you know, opponents coming down, I mean, defensively, it's great, right? If you've got all five guys back, it looks like, you know, what are, how, are, how are we going to get the ball in the basket? Now, on the flip side of that, offensively, is there there's only so much space on the court to chew up, right? And since there's only so much space and you've got a guy and also Ben Simmons who likes to be in the paint, and then you've got Joel and Al, there's only so much paint space to clog or to, to go around. So there are times where you're going to see the paint get a little bit clogged and them still figuring out what the best thing to do is. And sometimes what happens is when, when you've got a guy chewing up space, you've got to be aware that you can also be in that space. Right. And so I think that that has been one of the um, I guess one of the growing pains of, of having a lineup that is so big. But it's something that they're, they're definitely working on. And going back to that point about, you know, Al and, and the intangibles that he brings, when you ask him about about that, he, he's really open and honest about it and also not in a negative way. You know, he, he, you can ask him about just yeah. that and he will tell you, like, we are still figuring out how to make all of that work, but they're definitely on the right path. Now switch to the team without Joel Embiid. um, And when you've got Al Horford at the five and he's the court with Ben Simmons, that has come along pretty quickly. And I think that that's something to keep your eye on too, um, is that that unit has looked great together. So 
I mean, look, there hasn't been a, a ton of, we're still what a quarter of the way through the season. You've got guys still figuring out how to, how to work alongside each other. Um, but, but there's still a little bit of work that needs to go specifically in terms of spacing when, when both Joe and Al and Ben are on the court together. It's funny because it feels like we're covering the same team because the Celtics have been, you know, had some sort of injury, seemingly like every every game this season, and they haven't seen their starting five really together much. Uh, they haven't had their complete roster of players available, and so we don't even know kind of like what the rotations look like. And yet they've been successful, and so there's optimism up here because they think they can play even better, and they're interested to see how things look. Once they do get that chemistry, I got, is that the same vibe down there? Are people, despite some bumps in the road, it feels like Philly's starting to play really good basketball and that there's still another level to go to once these guys sort of figure everything out? To an extent, yes. Um, I would say, you know, for the Sixers, I think it's been something like maybe nine games that the starting lineup has played together. Um, so there's certainly a feeling of, look, when, when Josh Richardson was healthy, we got to see a glimpse into what the starting lineup could be. And I remember when we were running the numbers several games ago and looking at, you know, starting lineups in the NBA that have played at least a hundred minutes together, the Sixers fall in that category, albeit just nine games, their, their numbers offensively and defensively were off the charts. Uh, I, I know defensively for sure the rating is number one in the NBA in that category when those guys are on the court together. Um, but I think like for us, one of the story, the main storyline, the main talking point, even more so than that has been, is really been this, the discrepancy for for the Sixers home versus away, you know, the, that has been something that the Sixers are still figuring out how to capitalize on the road. Sometimes they really look like a different team on the road at home. I don't know if it's the crowd is, is so great there. You can feed off of that. You can get up for that. But then there's times where the Sixers go on the road, you know, and, and play the Washington Wizards and you wonder what happened. This looks like a completely different team. So I think that has been maybe the, the biggest talking point for the Sixers is just the, the seemingly what it looks like two different teams at home and then on the road. Interesting. So Boston's 10 and 0 at home, and they've had a lot of success there this year. In fact, like so we had, there was a point where the Bruins, the Celtics, and the Patriots hadn't lost at home this in this new calendar uh, or new season year. Uh, but that they have, uh, this has been an environment. What do you think uh, from from uh, maybe from talking to Al? What do you think it would be like for him to come back to Boston? And do you think that, uh, you know, what kind of reception do you think he'll have? Well, you know, I can't speak for your fans, right? The Boston fans, since I'm not <laughs> around them too much. I, I could imagine, or I would hope that they would just appreciate um, what he gave them in his time there. Because, like I said, if there's any testament to, he's only been here for a quarter of a season, and I can already tell what he's brought to this team, the, the professionalism, the work that he puts in. Um, has been incredible. And I just think back to the Boston Sixers series and how big Al was in that matchup. And I'm sure for Al, you know, he has been in the, in, in the NBA for 13 years. So he, he's done this type of thing before, but for all, for all these guys, when you go back to somewhere that was your home for so long, you had such a good relationship with these guys and Al talks so highly of them. You can only imagine there's, there's some, emo some extra emotion there. 
Yeah, it's funny. I don't. I don't think if he was watching the Kyrie or Kyrie list return to uh, when the net, the Nets came here, I don't think he has to worry about them chanting any profane things <laughs> at him or anything like that. That was very much very much revered up here. But um, certainly, there's some Celtics fans who are a little bit bitter that he made the decision he did, and you know. But like, I think part of what eases that is that the Celtics have sort of rebounded well, and that their you know defense hasn't fallen off a cliff without him. And uh, but certainly they they do miss him up here. Speaking of guys, the Celtics missed out on. I do want to ask about. Matisse Thibel, uh, obviously the the draft night trade. Uh, the Celtics originally selected Thibel. It looked like he was he he could potentially be here, he sort of fit that mold. He's kind of a Marcus Smart defender type guy. Uh, I know he had a career high the other night, five threes. What's uh what's the Thibel experience been like? Wow, I mean it's going better than anybody could have possibly imagined for a rookie to come in and get the time that he has. Not just because they're trying to develop him, but because he's he's really been a difference maker in some games has been truly incredible. I mean, go back to the Toronto Raptors game. You mentioned the game high that he had there, but there was a point in that game where it really felt like he was the driving factor behind a huge run that they made. Um, And to say that for a rookie, I mean, that's huge On, on not a team like, you know, the Phoenix suns or a team that's in rebuild mode. This is a team that's, trying to win now thinks they can win now and the fact that they have been using Matisse already shows me that they think Matisse can be a serious factor come playoff time um they they wouldn't be playing him right now in the minutes they are if they didn't see a future with him in the postseason and that is huge for a rookie what he does defensively is is so much fun to watch. It's actually one of my favorite parts to watch of games when he's in there because he's just so active. He gets so many hands on balls. It's, it's so much fun. Um, I mean, with that, there comes some pain sometimes. Right. And going back to that Toronto game the other night, he played a great game. Brett Brown decides to keep him in there um, for crunch time. He deserved that. And the Raptors trapped aggressively, the most aggressive draft you'll ever see. And he really struggled to handle that. He wasn't the only one. Joel Embiid really struggled to handle that as well. But you're asking about Matisse. And so there's going to be some growing pains there, right? Because he's a rookie. It's just the, it's just the fact of the matter. Um, but the more that he gets put in those scenarios, which is why I like the fact that Brett stuck with him there, the more he's going to learn to grow from those and make less of those when the postseason comes around. On top of that, like we knew coming in what a great defender he could be. We saw it in college. Um, but offensively, I mean, the fact that he is just so so easily knocked down three ball after three ball, that I think has been for me the biggest surprise. Um Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, when they picked Thibel, I was I was quite excited. He was one of those guys that I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but you could just tell from the the way he played, it was a lot of fun. And everyone could bring up the defense being in a zone and all that, but it was really fun to watch him fly around at Washington. I thought he would fit in here. I thought the lineup of him and Marcus Smart would have been uh, dastardly for opposing ball handlers, but. Uh, the Celtics ended up with Grant Williams, who has actually been a nice addition to their team. Has played probably the most of the rookies on on their squad. But I, I, I'll I'll bring it full circle here. The Celtics were were making fun of him recently because he hadn't made a three pointer through the first 21 games of his career. He was over 25 to start, and uh, Jalen Brown was calling him Ben Simmons. And Grant actually took offense to this, not because he wanted to be compared to Ben Simmons, but because Ben Simmons had actually made a three pointer 
by that point, and he didn't think it was fair to compare him because Grant had never made a three-pointer. Well, he finally got on the, the board last night, but I was looking down there, and, and, and so I saw Brett Brown said something like he wants Ben to start taking at least one three-pointer a game. How is that? I mean, there's just been so much attention on Ben and three-pointers. How is that gone, and, and how much difference does that make the offense when he can be a threat from beyond the arc? Two very different questions there. I'll start with the first one. The attention on it has been nuts. I mean, <laughs> nuts. We can't we can't go through a press conference without it being asked about. I, I'm um, sorry to bring it up again. I know you must get it every time, but it's just it, it, from especially no, I from, get the, it. from it's the, a story. Yeah. It's it's I, I totally I, I I really do understand it. I'm just in it every day, right? And especially from <laughs> your perspective, where you're not, you know, covering our team every day. I, the question's fair. Like I, I, I 100% get it from people that are there every day. It's just incredible that it's it's asked about over and over and over again. And <laughs> and hey, sometimes another, you, you think keep asking the same question, you'll get the same response. Well, hey, Brett Brown finally gave something the other night, right? Which right, is what right. you just said, which is that. And he, he didn't back down from it the next day. He doubled down on it and said, look, I want Ben shooting at least minimum a three a game. And I also want him to be at the free throw line eight times a game. He, he threw that number out there. Look, the facts are the facts. If he shoots more, the game is going to open up for him. Right. It, it's a different going back to when we started the conversation and we were talking about how sometimes there are space issues with such a big team and with guys with at least three guys that love to work in the paint. Ben being one of those guys. That's a scenario where when him and Joe and Al are on the floor, the paint can be really congested. If he is taking shots and guys are guarding him, that's all good things for spacing, right? I mean, it's all good things for everyone involved. It's not just Ben, it's the rest of the team. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something that is important. It can't be understated. At the same time, what are we supposed to expect for all of a sudden for him to go out and knock down four threes or for him to, you know, completely change his game overnight? No, right? So it's like, it's hard because it really does need to be when he feels comfortable in a gradual thing. But I like what Brett says, like, look, it, just just shoot him. It doesn't matter if they go in or not, but but you got to shoot him because how, how else are you going to get better, right? And it's going to completely change the dynamic of the team if he's knocking, if he's knocking them down here and there. It doesn't have to be a great three-point shooter, although the three-point shot is what Brett Brown says interests him the most. He can live without, you know, the long twos. He's okay with them when it comes in the flow of the offense. Um, but we do see a lot of those, you know, Ben can come to a jump stop and instead he's shooting a floater off of one leg, fading away when the defender's, you know, not even close to him enough to be needing to fade away. And it just becomes that time and that it's like an analytics game at that point, right? Like those aren't high percentage shots. Um, so the short answer Yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I, here's the thing, but it's, we're going to look back in like six months from now. We're going to laugh that we that it was we just talked about it ad nauseum because again, he's going to get it, and it's going to be like just commonplace for him to take threes, and it's probably going to be the key to unlocking everything, as you said. I picked Philadelphia to win it all this year, in part because I thought the West would beat each other up, but I just think if they ever kind of figure out how to work together, and certainly they're going through growing pains, and it, 
probably good for them for people to sort of write them off and not write them off, but like, you know, let them float under the radar a little bit. I, I'm interested to see where this team ranks by the end of the year. Uh, I think also, though, too, like the frustrating thing with the Ben Simmons talk is that's all that we talk. It seems like that's right. all that we talk about when if you just watch him on the defensive end of the floor. Oh, yeah. And look, what what do we always say too? like in the summertime? Like you want a guy to return with at least one aspect of his game better than it was the prior season. And let me tell you, when you watch Ben Simmons play defense, if you don't tell me that he's not better than he was last year. I, oh my I, gosh, I would know yeah. what to tell you because he he's so incredible on that end of the floor this year and he hasn't even reached nearly the potential that he has. So it's one of those things that I'm sure would be frustrating for him when he's asked about this every day, when you look at him on the defensive end, he's been incredible. And then you look at like the other night when they played Cleveland and yes, I get it. It's Cleveland and there was no Joel Embiid, but Ben Simmons has 32 points and 26 minutes of play and shows you know, the player that he can be. So I think that's where it's, it becomes, you know, frustrating to always talk about, okay, we get it. Yes. He needs to add that to his game at some point, but look, at least he's added the defense. As long as he keeps shooting, you know, the the kids are really elite player in the league. Well, when you're up here, I I guarantee you'll only be asked about it like 47 times on our station when you, uh... (laughs) (laughs) but I am, I am excited for this game. I think it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. I know we, we can't, we, we try not to overhype regular season matchups too much, but this feels like a good one and no shortage of storylines and, uh, I can't wait to see you up here. Thank you so much for jumping on our little Celtics talk podcast. I'm going to go find my best glasses possible so that, uh, I can, I can bring some thunder on, uh, on Thursday night. Very nice. We'll have to take the uh, glasses <laughs> at the, uh, at the arena. <laughs> I'm all for it. Serena Winters. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you on Thursday night up here in Boston. Sounds good, Chris. Let's take a quick break to tell you about CVS health where pharmacies are just part of what they do. From home care managers to administrating intravenous treatments in patients' living rooms, they bring care to those who need help most. From refusing to sell tobacco to making all their own skincare products paraben-free, CVS Health knows what you don't sell is as important as what you do. And when you put people at the heart of health, people take health to heart. CVS Health, where health is everything. Not all services available in all states. All right, great stuff, Chris, with you and Serena. Y'all got into everything, man. That was a yeah, good interview. You know? And we talked about glasses, too, because we both like wear glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, let me ask you, because I see people wearing glasses. And remember in the NBA, wearing glasses was the thing. Like, guys would wear them without even lenses or anything, you Trish, know? Trish, you weren't listening. We, we talked about this. Yo, did so you so it's, not, it's, not, it's not a style thing. We, like, we're both literally blind. And, uh, yeah, it was funny, though, because I, 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 was, I was telling her, like, I had no idea I needed glasses until I started covering the team. And then I'm like, is that, is, is, is that KG down the other <laughs> end? Is that Perk? Like, I couldn't figure it out. And, and so you now, sure that's not a reflection of where the Celtics have you sitting? Yeah, you know, no, that could, be, that could be it, too. Maybe like, they could uh, put us a little <laughs> bit From the ninth right? floor uh, attached to the roof, those new, uh, those new seats. All right, so where do you want to go with this Serena interview? Like, you know, you guys talk about Ben Simmons. So what, uh, about... one thing like she couldn't answer, and 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 but I, I, you know, I didn't want to lead her too much. But what do you think the reaction for Horford's going to be? Ooh, that's a great question because it should be all love. Should it should be all love? But let's keep it real. The way Horford went about it, mm-hmm. 
some people aren't happy about, you know. That's what I'm wondering. You know, it it, it, it sounds like him and the Sixers had some sort of agreement before mm-hmm. you're allowed to actually talk. And so, so, so here's the Celtics my... feel like, I don't know, you tell me. I get the sense that they were caught off guard a little bit. But I, that I think Horford they... left for the Sixers at right. that. I, I think they were frustrated that you're supposed to have – an opportunity with your guy to sort of make your pitch. And if, Hey, if then he goes out and finds other interests, then so be it. You know, other teams can say, Hey, we might have a spot for you. They can tell his agent, we'd be interested, but you're not supposed to get into numbers. And it sure sounds like Horford had in his back pocket, this number. And so when the Celtics come in and try to give him what they think is a fair market offer, and they don't know that he's already got this, like, you know, essentially grandfather offer that that's waiting for him. You know, I think they were frustrated, and I get that. And, you know, part of me doesn't begrudge it. Like, hey, listen, go get your money. If someone's out right. there and, and, and they're going to get there eventually, it would have come up no matter what. But I do think they were frustrated that they didn't quite have the level playing field that the NBA wants you to have. But they can't sit there and complain because they told Kemba, like, hey, you know, right. we'll have a match exactly. for you. And now that's a little bit different. Kemba was side too. Like, I mean, right. Know. And so, but like Kemba's a little bit different because he's going to get a max. There was no right. negotiating. It wasn't like the Celtics said, hey, we're going to give you X million dollars yeah, more yeah. than the Hornets. Like the Hornets didn't come to the table with the money. The Celtics were there saying, we're going to give you a max offer. And they that was easy. So I do think Celtics fans, if the Celtics were like 10 and 10 coming into this one, I think Celtics fans would sit here and be like, Really screw angry. that guy. Right, yeah, right. screw that guy for going to a rival, for going to chase the title. He didn't want to stick it out here. But because the Celtics are playing well, and it's so and because all of their venom is for Kyrie, I think they're gonna give I think it'll be nice. And I think the Celtics will do some sort of tribute. And I think it'll be very, hey, thank you. And I think Celtics fans realize now they weren't gonna pay tons of money to keep Al Horford right. around. And as good as he is for the Sixers and, and for the where they are as a franchise right now, it's probably in the best interest of the Celtics to have moved on. And so I think fans are, will be okay with it. They'll, they'll be okay. He'll get his tribute, but he's gonna be booed, I think, the rest of the game. Like, you know, I think the That's warm and fuzzies end, yeah. you know, after the first quarter or whatever. <laughs> Ain't no one gonna be cheering for the Sixers. Right, at any exactly. Point, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so how do you see this matchup? Because here's my thoughts. I think out of all the teams in the East, and I know Milwaukee's great. I know that's your squad. The Sixers are the toughest matchup for the yeah, Celtics. No, no, no doubt. Th- I, this matchup scares me. I keep saying it. Like they have the highest ceiling by far. As good as Giannis is, and as important as having that one dominant superstar is in the playoffs, if Philadelphia plays to its potential, if Ben Simmons can be a threat and continue to develop that outside shot, if you know they all figure everything out. They're, I picked them to win the title because wow, their the defense, title. their defense is just otherworldly. They're so big they can just smother teams, and I think it'll be a good test. The Celtics, I think, rank right now seventh in the NBA in, in offensive rating. They they haven't had all their horses, but they're a little bit closer now with Hayward back. We'll get a better idea of whether they can score against an elite defense. They struggled right. against the Clippers. I, I I think this is another good barometer for them to figure that out. And but I agree. I like everyone keeps saying like, oh, you know. Embiid uh, and Simmons—they're never going to figure it out, and they've got issues. And I don't know. I just think this is part of the process, and I—and everyone wants to fire Brett Brown as quick as possible, but I just feel like eventually it's going to click. And if they're this good now while working through issues, what's the level they go to when they do start to figure it yeah, out? Yeah, and I believe that whole narrative, Embiid and Simmons—you know—to me, they were one Kawhi Leonard miracle <laughs> shot away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, like. They had the Raptors on the ropes, you know? And so uh, I I think, like you said, the progression, you know, first year against the Celtics, they weren't ready. 
Last year against Toronto, they battled them to seven games. This year, you got to imagine they're, you know, battle-tested. And I feel like a guy like Al Horford, when we talk about him defensively, he can guard a Tatum. Like, he can guard perimeter guys. And I think that's something that the Sixers didn't have, uh, you know, last year or going, you know, a couple years ago or whatever. I think Al Horford changes so much for them uh, because – he can switch off to smaller guards and sort of hold his own. You know, it's not an immediate, you know, we're going to take advantage of Al Horford kind of thing. You know who else they have that? My guy, Thibel. Oh, yeah. He's been playing well, dude. Like he five threes this weekend. Did he? Like, yeah, he had, a, they had a career high game. Three and D guy? I mean, I didn't think the threes were going to be that early. I, right, thought, he was, I right. thought he was going to be a D and D guy to start <laughs> the year. And now, now he's already like... He's showing, like, no disrespect to Grant Williams, who I think will be a very good player. It's uh, just ironic, like, watching him. He's the one who has been struggling, and it's, uh, you know, I was telling Serena, it's funny that we sit there and and and, and uh, lament that he didn't hit a three-pointer, and his teammates are calling him Ben Simmons and having fun with that. And, <laughs> and, and watch it. To, uh, what it would be great is if the game materializes into, like, a Ben uh, Ben Simmons-Grant uh, Williams, Williams shootout <laughs> from three-point land. Um but yeah, like I, I just think Horford just brings a different air of professionalism to that team, a different level of standard of, of holding those guys. And I just think that's what they needed at this point. And so that's a scary team. Like I again, the Bucks, the Bucks supporting cast around Giannis isn't the same. And right, right, I mean, they're Middle, good, Mid- but Middleton will kill the Celtics. But yeah. uh, otherwise, I just Bledsoe. Yeah, you know, they don't have Brogdon. Brogdon, Wes Matthews is hit or miss. And... All right, so the other big thing this week I, for me to to like kind of lock in is on is the bigs, right? Like the Celtics, right. we spend so much time. What are you? Do you if they survive this week? Like they've looked good against Jokic. I know mm-hmm. he got his points, but like they they held their own. They did decent against the Cavs, but they're a train wreck. If they show well against Indiana and against uh, the Philly. Are you okay with, like, maybe these are the guys they can get through the year with, or do you think they need a move? I don't think they need to make a trade. I'm looking at the buyout market at some yeah. point. I, I don't think, you know, what you can get back in a trade, you're going to be willing to give up any right. of those assets. You know, the, the level of talent out there that you can get in the trade, are you giving up a Jalen Brown? Are you giving up a Memphis pick? No, you're not doing that. And so I, I think – a buyout market kind of guy. I don't know who, you know, I have no idea any name. I mean, no one know? does, right? Like, like It's it, still early. It's it's so hard to tell. Like, everyone will sit here and say, oh, I hope Tristan Thompson ends up on there. And maybe he will, right. but, like, every guy, they're going to try to deal him. And so if you get to February and you just realize you can't move him, if a team's, if, like, all the rest of the league's sitting there and saying, well, they're going to buy him out anyway, no one's going to give you an Right, asset. no one's giving you So anything. I think the Celtics are just going to have to be patient and hope that the market bears fruit. But, but can they win with the current bigs? I, I'm more encouraged by what I've seen than yeah. Uh, like Tyson's been really good, and I know you can't put him out there. Who's he been against, guarding? Well, Jokic, I guess, but, but that he is, got bullied by, yeah, by Jokic. Did, so. right. But Jokic had a pretty good game. But I, I do like that. Like they can have a night like that where Jokic is just beasting him, and then they're like, he's okay going to the bench and letting Cantor take over. And you know, right. I like listen, Cantor has his defensive limitations too. But I feel like they've at least hung in there. And when you got Marcus Smart flying around, when you got Tatum and Brown and even Kemba giving energy. It's worked. And, and that's why this week is so important because this is the litmus test. You know, you're going against the Pacers with Sabonis, who's coming off a crazy game. Uh, what was it, like a 20 and 20 yeah, game yeah. or something like Feels that? Feels like that's getting regular, though. Like, right, you know? right. And, and you got Turner that can stretch the floor and knock down shots. And then you got the Sixers as well. And so I'm a reserve judgment uh, until after this week, but I'm a little nervous about that. I, I am because it's about the matchup to me, you know. Can they beat Brooklyn? Can they beat the Pacers? Yes, but the Sixers 
to me, that's the team you're matching up against because you you have the the bodies, I guess, to go against Milwaukee. Nobody's stopping Giannis anyway. Mm-hmm. The Sixers, that's the team I'm worried about. Last thing, we got to talk about the trade deadline. Like everyone, how many times uh, this week have you been asked about Kevin Love, dude? For like the last five years, it feels like <laughs> yeah, too, right? True. It's every like time, every year. Ever Kevin since Love. he was mingling around Fenway, yeah, gapping up Rondo, him and Rondo, a, a Red Sox right? Game, yeah. Uh, can we just like once and for that's all? Not happening. Not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. Stop right? asking. He makes twenty nine million dollars. The Celtics would have to trade Gordon Hayward to make that a reality, and they're just not going to. They're do not going to do that. Yeah. It's same deal. Like I think Tristan Thompson is a better fit, and so people say, "Well, wait, why wait for the bio market? Just go trade for him." Well, are you giving up Marcus Smart? Right. To you get, get the money no. he's due. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so please, no more Kevin Love. He's making and he's still under contract for like four more years. Right. Like, it's, it's ridiculous it money. No, it's a bad no contract. Sense. You're about to play uh, pay Tatum. You got Gordon, who's playing, you know, yeah. looking good so far, coming back. And so, uh, Kevin Love, Portland's the team, I guess. Everybody's talking. That's about. all he wants. To, he wants to go there. He wants to go That's there. That's the only team that can like make a move for right. him. Just make it happen. I agree. Anybody else out there though? Because we mentioned December fifteenth. All these guys uh, can be moved. You know, well, most of them anyway. Uh, any other big names out there? Uh? Does, does Davis Bertans move you? I actually like him. I love him. I like him. <laughs> He's really good. I mean, he might yeah. be playing his way into like where the, the Wizards don't even want to give up on him because they might hope to bring him back, right? Right, right. right. And so I just think that's the sort of guy. So Bertans makes $7 million. He, uh, he, I think they call him the Latvian laser now because yeah. he's like he's putting up eight, eight and a half three-pointers per game. He's been great. Um, but same deal. Like, it's not enough of a defensive upgrade to me to justify giving up a first-round pick. Right. You're not giving that up for Bertans. So, I mean, he probably, maybe you give up that Milwaukee pick late first round. 30th overall about if they uh, win the if they win the east. How, I don't know if I'd even do that. So man. that's the thing it's and that's like, what you have to balance is this roster is getting expensive. Are you going to commit all these giving up draft picks and not having this young nucleus to sort of nurture and and su- supplement your core with or do you like I don't know. It's it's not an easy decision. There, I don't know if there's a win now move for the Celtics though. I think it's ultimately really hope that this is the core that you can get by with and then just examine the market. Well, think else. about it though. Jalen's going to get better. Jason's going to get better. And so I know we're smelling championship finals berth this season, but I'm not, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm not going out there and doing something dumb just to go for it this year. You know, I'm not giving up the Memphis uh, asset unless it's for an Anthony Davis or somebody of that ilk, you know? I will say, Uh-oh. after what we went through with the Kings pick, do you do you, do you have any hesitation? <laughs> like people, are, people keep telling right. me like you can't give up that Grizzly pick, and right. I'm like, well, maybe you can. You know, right, but, you know, right. all of a sudden it's like tenth, and yeah. you're like, damn, maybe we should have moved that. that that's know? true, and, and, and John Morant's looking great, and the, the Grizzlies might in the year next year might not be as bad as you know uh, we gotta, hoping. Got to get Jay Crowder out of there before I, he wins them too exactly, many games. Exactly, exactly. Is that it? Is that the show? Uh, you wrapping up? You got anything else you want to add? I might call Serena again and go another half hour on, on glasses. I mean, mostly glasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no contacts or anything. Did y'all talk about that too? No, no. I'm, actually, I've never done contacts. I'm too much of a baby. Really? Yeah. Like one. Well, okay. Well, one. I'm too much of a baby, and two. Uh, I'm too lazy. I would not take them out, and I've hear that's bad. Ooh, yeah, I hear that's that, what like, I hear too. Messes with all you. dry and uh, plus, overnight. And plus, just... selfishly, I like glasses. Right. No. <laughs> hey, that's your thing. Do you have more than one pair? I never look at you close enough. Are you to kidding see me right that. now? Is this, is, this is so disrespectful. <laughs> My bad. I'm never checking you out like that, man. I feel like the ones you have on now are different. That's like going to do it for this week's edition of the Southern <laughs> Talk Podcast. I got like 47 pairs and drapes. Oh, like, do you ever wear gosh, the same? Dude. Thing? My bad. My <laughs> yeah, bad. All right, let's get out of here. 
are we doing a podcast again this week? Yeah, like I think Friday? so. Oh no! I'm not oh wait! Oh, oh, this I is gonna be. Wait, 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 here. wait! This is gonna be great because you will not be there, and this will be a video one. We oh, will it's fight. gonna be a video yeah, too with so, Abby. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna lose that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just the laws of nature, right? I'm gonna lose that one. I'm actually gonna bring all my glasses collection and change them out as we go through the show. I know, right? <laughs> Every topic, switch out a new look, right? All right, let's get out of here, man. Thanks to Serena Winters for jumping on the Celtics Talk podcast. Huge game, of course, coming up on Thursday. Celtics Sixers, big week, really, when you talk about the Pacers and the Sixers. And then next week, you got a matchup at Dallas that's gonna be huge as well. So, Chris Forsberg, good job as always, man. We'll catch you next time on the Celtics Talk Podcast.